to another episode of Amazing Careers. And this week's guest is a current colleague of mine, Zoe Edwards. Zoe's story is a little bit different to our other guests in the sense that she's done one big career shift. But what's been interesting for me talking to her is that within her role, she's still been able to create and take new directions. And today she's actually doing a role that she wanted to do back at school, but didn't think she ever could. There's some takeaways I think you might want to uh, be aware of as you listen to Zoe. Like Fima Clay in episode four, Zoe did want to do the role that she's doing now when she was younger, and that didn't happen straight away, but she feels better for it, having taken a longer route to get there. The other learning that I've really enjoyed hearing about is the fact that all of her learning, she's treated like a hobby, in her words. She's really enjoyed it and made the most out of it, and I think that's gone a long way to helping her be successful. And finally, Zoe has had some mental health challenges along the way. Um, and she wants those to be acknowledged as we go through this conversation. And whilst we won't dwell on them today, she is an example of someone who, despite those, has managed to take up some really take up new opportunities and really develop professionally. So I'm really pleased to welcome Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Laura. Well, it's really good to have you here today. And we'll start, as ever, a little bit towards the beginning. Um, I wanted to start by the fact your first career decision, I guess, came about, as with most people, just by the fact that you had some previous experience in that sector. So you got your degree, um, which was a 2-2 in history. And then what was your first role and how did that come about? Well, my first role after I graduated was on the shop floor at HMV. Um, I worked in the Trocadero store for about ooh, two years, I'd say. Um and that was just kind of based on the fact that I'd done retail work and worked in local shops and stuff since the age of you know, 14. So, yeah, I just kind of graduated with my degree, realised that no one's really wanting to hire anyone with a history degree at the uh, in, in the early noughties. So just went straight into uh, working in a record shop, really. Um, I didn't really have much of an option. So, yeah, but it was enjoyable, obviously. Um, you know, love film and music. So it worked out fine. And I think that's a really familiar story for people that you, you you know, your very early jobs, you just end up somewhere. But then an opportunity did come its way through the customer service team. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, after I'd uh, worked in Trocadero and another uh, store, um, a job came up in the customer service department, which was great because it was off the shop floor, no kind of manual labor anymore. It was just, you know, sitting at a desk and answering customer calls, answering their emails and stuff. Um, it was really enjoyable just to kind of be removed from that shop floor and actually be in a bit more of a problem-solving capacity. Um, so, yeah, I kind of enjoyed that. It just felt like I was working my brain a little bit more than I was um, previously sort of stacking shelves, essentially. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really enjoyable. And I sort of did that for about four years as well. So... Yeah, I was with HMV eight years in total. I left just before, just before the bad thing happened. So, just one thing I do want to highlight about mm-hmm. that particular shift, the internal shift that you made within HMV, and we've touched on the fact that you've had some um, mental health challenges. So, you've, when you and I spoke previously, you talked about the fact that you were really nervous in the interview. But I love what mm. the hiring manager said to you about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She said that you know she gave me the job because I was nervous. Um, I was so desperate to not work in shops anymore 
that um, I yeah, came across as very, very nervous. And she said it just made her understand how much I wanted the job. And being nervous has actually put me in good stead since, to be honest, because every time I'm nervous in an interview, it's because I want that job. And that comes across to, to the hiring manager. So kind of works in your favor sometimes. Yeah. Wise words, wise words. Mm. So you've mentioned already you, you had a good stint there. And then on the at the back of the evening standard, uh, where I'm yeah. sure a lot of people have gone for their jobs in the past, you were looking for something that was better paid and something mm-hmm. caught your eye. Yeah. So I saw that the University of West London were doing part-time courses to get a law degree. You could study on Saturdays and the rest of your week you could work full-time. So I had always wanted to do law, but I don't, I come from kind of um, an area in the West Country where you're not really expected to do much. So I kind of put law aside and did history. But then this opportunity came up to study part time and I just kind of grabbed it, went to the open day and signed up. And yeah, kind of that was started off my four and a half years getting my law degree. Four and a half years of six hours every Saturday, and goodness knows how much else was needed to to get through that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was six hours every Saturday, and then all of the reading and, and everything. Um, so my commute to and from, I, re- I was also travelling across the city. I, I lived in East London, and I was going out to Ealing. Um, yeah, and I, I, I was kind of studying through on the trains all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So people will will probably appreciate now that your big shift was really moving out of that retail and eventually into legal. But I think, as I've indicated, you did have quite a journey to even get to, to a more substantive legal role. So your next big opportunity came when you were about a year into your degree and you were approached by a recruiter. Yeah. Tell us about what happened then. Yeah, so uh, he he approached me and said, this is very top secret. You can't know who it is until you go for the interview, but they are looking for someone to write content for customer support purposes to, to publish on their website. And I turn up and it was with PlayStation and it was, yeah, again, quite a unusual interview process. It was, you know, again, really nervy. And uh, they actually gave me a test, you know, write some of some of this information out in an in a nice customer friendly way and somehow aced it and yeah um ended up working sort of in that role at Sony for wow that must be about five years I guess I did that for them for and do you think that role was that bringing anything to the the lead the the legal side that you were currently going through not in the slightest, no, <laughs> except for the fact, I mean, I I was well supported. They knew when I joined that I was studying, um, they knew that there would have to be some flexibility. And this is, you know, before flexible working was even a twinkle in anyone's eyes. So it was really good that they, they supported me in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I was still essentially doing customer service, just more remotely than usual. So mm. it wasn't a massive step, I'm afraid. <laughs> No, so that's interesting. We're sort of a year into your part-time studying of what would be a four-year degree, and you're still you, you've made the shift from retail into customer service, but you're still very much in that customer service 
element and and not where we know you're ultimately gonna going to end up at this point in time so just to give people a bit of timeline that's good to know yeah Um, exactly I mean it is kind of a bit depressing (laughs) when you start studying something and the only roles that you can get is still stuff that you've already been doing before um so yeah I mean obviously like we said we're not going to dwell on it but it was a little bit difficult (laughs) yes yeah Uh, and I think um at this point in time, just looking at some of the things we've talked about before, a lesson here that people might be able to take away is that you were someone who just grabbed every opportunity that came to you. Um, and I think, as as we've indicated, that was notwithstanding some of the other challenges that you had going on. So the example I'm thinking mm-hmm. of is you taught yourself some coding, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had to. I'd never written for a website before or anything, so I kind of it's the most basic HTML coding that anyone would ever need. But I, I kind of got myself into, into learning all of that, a little bit of Java as well on, on the side, just to make some other stuff work. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's necessary for the job, you've just got to keep learning and keep picking up these skills because, you know, that made me more marketable when I finally did make that career move into law. And that attitude of just being able to, to be self-sufficient as far as possible, uh, has stood you in good stead. So where were you when you found out that you'd managed to um, graduate with your law degree? Yeah, I, I had been sent to Tokyo for a summit with my you know, global customer service uh, colleagues. And yeah, I was, yeah, I was looking at, at Mount Fuji. It was, it was incredible. Um, yeah, I was pretty amazed to have gotten that news at that place. And then we went to a karaoke bar, so it was the best way of celebrating, definitely. <laughs> and I mentioned in your introduction that you had treated education like a hobby because the, particularly the law side, it was something you really enjoyed. And that is something that's quite passionate to me, that I did a degree that I felt I should do rather than something that I really enjoyed. And I love the fact that that's something that really helped your success with the degree same with your history degree as well I think absolutely yeah I mean I went and I I did history because it was again a subject that I enjoyed but something that I knew I could do well in when it came to to law it was yes absolutely 100% a a hobby but it was you know the the brain training of it you know I kind of had been out of education for seven years when I went back so it was nice just to just enjoy it and enjoy the learning experience of it. And I mean, it's not for everyone, obviously, um, but it was definitely just an enjoyable four years of my life, just taking it all in really and connecting the dots essentially. And I think you really had to treat it that way because how else were you going to fit in four years of part-time study whilst working a full-time job or the extra travel that you mentioned to do that? So I think that enjoyment element just was going to be critical, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were four people um, left at the end of the course. I think there were approximately 50 at the beginning. So, yeah, the people who didn't enjoy it, they they didn't stick around for long. And there's something that makes me giggle a bit. When you were talking, <laughs> we've spoken before about how because you were just enjoying the law degree, it was something you'd always felt you wanted to do and that advert appeared and you went for it. But you hadn't really thought about what to do once you'd got it. No. No, not in the slightest. Um, yeah, I kind of viewed it as, you know, correcting the mistake of, of doing the wrong degree in the first place. And yeah, I mean, networking is not something that I've ever been good at. So I wasn't 
sort of putting feelers out into the world, trying to get a, a law job because, frankly, a, a, a cold application doesn't work in, in the legal sector. I mean, rarely it works in the legal sector. And I just, yeah, like I say, didn't have the kind of connections in that in that industry at all. So, yeah, it was kind of um, kind of difficult to to know where to start. And I, so I didn't start until after I graduated. But you did make use of of a connection. Uh, you had you were working already because of your role at PlayStation with a lawyer. Yeah, I worked on some terms and conditions stuff. And every time I met the lawyers, I'd let them know how I'd done in my latest module, you know, what my last essay score was, all of that. So, um, yeah, eventually that kind of paid dividends. Absolutely. And that is another theme that I'm hearing of people who have been able to make these these changes in their careers is just leveraging people that, you know, um, because, you know, surprisingly, people are happy to help you. They want you to be successful. So. So you were still at PlayStation at, at this point. You were thinking what to do with your law degree and there was a big organisation restructure. You actually went through really quite a difficult time there uh, with, with some bullying challenges. But a situation did arise when the compliance manager at PlayStation went on maternity leave and they needed cover. Exactly, yeah. I got an email out of the blue um, from... My, my lawyer friend who said let's meet for coffee um and circumstances happened we couldn't actually meet up in time and um I ended up just sort of going straight into the legal department talking to the head of legal having a conversation with a couple of the other lawyers um and yeah they they offered me the um the, the position to, to cover maternity leave and I was absolutely over the moon I mean compliance was what I was thinking would be the easiest way for, to to kind of move from customer service into into law so it just kind of popped me in really good stead because I've been with the business for so long I kind of knew all of the corporate structure and and all of that sort of stuff on the compliance side and then obviously I still had a lot to learn on the legal compliance side but yeah it was it was great just to be you know doing something in the direction that I was trying to move into so yeah I was over the moon for that. So that was fantastic, really took you a step in the right direction. And then uh, there was a little bit of a, a challenging time um, when when you took a role that actually you, you weren't ready for. Yeah, I mean, I'm hand on heart. I, I wish that I had stayed at Sony at the point that I had um, that I took on the, um, the new role. Um, I because I was a, a compliance paralegal at Sony, um, the term sort of paralegal kind of comes with it almost a junior lawyer label and I just wasn't at that level so I I went and worked for a a small um, production company who you know absolutely did their best to support me but they just didn't have the infrastructure to you know to to actually help me do the job well Um, and I I, you know was out of my depth to be perfectly honest Um, so yeah that was kind of difficult Um, but then the second role came along um, again another recruiter um, that they recruiters have have helped me so much because yeah I I hate looking for work Um, and a recruiter came to me uh, with a job um, at Universal Pictures so that was a little bit lower level it was a little bit more manageable it was mainly um film acquisition and film licensing so it was very simple contracts and 
much easier than the other company because there was a, a lot of other stuff that that, that that they needed their legal team to be able to deal with that I wasn't equipped with. But this one, so much simpler. Yeah. So um, I worked there until the pandemic hit, unfortunately, and then everyone kind of got laid off in that department. So that was that was pretty sad. Yeah, and I can imagine COVID must have just knocked some people really sideways, actually, from a career perspective. I mean, we just didn't see it coming. So there was a lot of change there for an awful lot of people. Um, but you were able to continue with uh, maintaining your path into the legal world. So you you did, um, after COVID or as we were coming out of COVID, manage to get some contracting roles and you continue down the contract analysis, building your legal expertise. Exactly. Yeah. Just a few short term roles that just involved kind of pulling the terms out of contracts and, you know, presenting them in a more business-friendly read Excel sheet um, manner so that, you know, that the business had an idea of what their contract actually said. So, yeah, that was interesting. And it really just um, helped sharpen my um, contract skills because, you know, I, I, I didn't really have the skill that I needed to do the job now until now, until I had those contractor roles under my belt. And then uh, another recruiter came along and now you work where I work, which is for this wonderful digital coaching business. And tell me how you're finding that and how it compares to what you wanted to be doing when you first started your legal degree. Um, I mean, I never wanted to be a lawyer. Um, it's just far too much extra study on top of what I've done. So in terms of you know, being an assistance to the lawyers, but then to the wider business, it's exactly what I wanted. You know, it's it's kind of, um, it's not just contract work, but it's, you know, educating the business and getting processes in place for things to run more smoothly. And, for, and, and I, I was just given a lot more room just to, you know, when I first came into the job, understand the role, understand the things that the role needed, work out what I could bring to it. And just really, I had the chance to learn the business inside out before I was actually let loose on contracts. And I think that was invaluable, really, because you can't, until you understand how a business works, you can't understand the contracting pace that they're working at or the contracting needs. So yeah, I, I, I think this is a really great company to work for just because they seem to practice what they preach a little bit more than some of the other companies I've worked for. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's lovely. <laughs> and th I'm thinking out loud now, just given how you and I interact, mm. and I'm imagining that actually a lot of that experience you had in retail, in the customer service piece, has allowed you to really maintain that front of house perspective even though you're behind the scenes now you're helping people like me with our clients make our clients successful but you're going to have that appreciation of what what clients need why they need it which is really valuable when you're talking to the legal teams I found yeah I mean I'm I've I mean from my work at Sony and you know even when I was working at, at HMV I, I my main role would be to take something that someone doesn't understand and simplify it for them so they do understand it and I think that that 
is really linked to how I do my job now. Um, I mean, we've kind of had plenty of conversations about, you know, particular contracts you've been working on. And, you know, between us, we've worked out what's the best direction to go. Sometimes maybe not the best direction to go, but we've kind of, because we've had that conversation and I know that you're understanding my thought process because I'm thinking the specific contract way, but because I've explained it, we're able to bounce ideas off each other in a much better, um, in just a better way than if I was just telling you what you needed to be do- what needs to be done, and there was no further explanation. Mm. I think I think that makes such a difference. If you tell someone to do something, they'll do it, but they might not do it right. But if you tell someone to do something, why they're doing it, and how to do it, that's how you get someone you know with with good practice and you know more self-sufficient eventually that's kind of the aim but the point is I I would much prefer interacting with people and having a conversation with them and working out what they need and then helping them than just you know firing off instructions it's just not helpful for anyone right and that is really where one of the key outputs I'd love people to take away from listening to you is this idea that the these career journeys they're really starting for me having spoken to a few people now to feel like they're meant to be you were you were meant to go down this slightly more convoluted path to get to what you you really enjoyed but having all that extra background has made you even more valuable in your current role and I'd love people to feel that actually while it it can feel a bit windy and not very direct it actually might be the best way for things to happen. 100%. I use everything that I've learned throughout my career now. There's not a single thing that I've needed to jettison because everything's been useful. So I I really wouldn't change any of my career trajectory because, yeah, everything that I've learned and everything that I've done has led me to this point where I'm in a very fulfilling role with a great company. So, I mean, what more do you want really um I mean maybe I, I'd want more money but you know doesn't everyone that's, that's <laughs> exactly <the only> yeah <laughs> and I did say at the beginning that we wouldn't dwell on the mental health challenges but I also know that it's important to you that that people can see that with that has been a part of a part of what you've had to deal with is there anything you'd like to sort of say to sum up what you've been struggling with and how you've managed to control that as well as continue with these um the 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 career path that you've been going down I mean the thing is it's um it's always been low-grade depression and anxiety not anything that's absolutely insurmountable so I wouldn't wish to impose any advice on anyone who's you know having similar struggles um, but genuinely, if you I, if you just keep plugging away, that stuff does get better when you've got fewer external influences causing it. So, you know, job security, job satisfaction, a decent pay packet, all of that stuff really does contribute to your better mental health in general. So, I mean, even though it's not something that we wish to dwell on, I just kind of want to mention it more as an effort to destigmatize you know I don't I'm not an advocate and I don't consider myself an advocate but I do think it's important to be honest about that and about your own struggles and you know I I have always had 
a little bit of an element of, of anxiety. So it does make certain things a little bit more difficult, but you make allowances for yourself and you hope other people make allowances for you. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of all that really needs to be said on it. I think it's, um, yeah, it hasn't really affected my career as much as it could have. Um, but as long as you, yeah, plug away when you feel up to it, you do eventually get where you need to go. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for for sharing. Thank you for showing that learning can be fun and that fun learning can can still lead you in the right path, uh, the path that, that feels right for you anyway. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you. We, we had a good chat the other day when we were getting ready for this and it, it, um, it was it was wonderfully insightful to hear everything that you've been through. So thank you very much for that. Thanks, Laura. It's lovely chatting with you as well. And that's the end of this episode of Amazing Careers. If you would like to find out more from Zoe or you'd like to be put in touch with her, you can contact me. That's Laura Parker at lozaloveuk at outlook.com, L-O-Z-Z-A-L-U-V-U-K at outlook.com. As ever, I'm looking for some more people to be part of Amazing Careers. So please do get in touch if you have a career story that you'd love to share. And please share, like the podcast. The more people that can hear about it, I really want to help people feel comfortable with the the direction, the decisions they have to make either early on in their career, midway through the career and help people see that there are so many options out there. Uh, It's almost never ending. Many thanks, everybody. Until the next time.